This is Live Well Talk on Whitwer Children's Therapy. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at St. Luke's Hospital, Unity Point Health. Uh, most of us will be celebrating National Farm Animal Awareness Week, but at the same time, it's National Rehab Week. So today our episode is the second of three in which we feature the various therapies provided by Rehabilitation Services. And today it is uh, speech-language uh, pathology. Join us today is Nicole Halverson, a speech-language pathologist with uh, St. Luke's Whitworth Children's Therapy uh, to discuss therapy services offered at Whitworth Center, as well as uh, the benefits of rehabilitation and speech pathology. So we're very interested in this topic. Welcome, Nicole. Oh, it's nice to be here. <laughs> you know, I, I've said on other podcasts, I think speech pathology, occupational therapy, if I could do it again, I enjoy helping people. And uh, those are just ones that I think patients really, uh, it's unique to each patient uh, and it really benefits them, uh, particularly I can imagine communication and speech. So I'm going to ask you some of those questions today about, about that so that our, our listeners can understand more what happens with speech pathology. Sure, but awesome. let, let's start off. Let's give me just a little overview of the Whitworth Children's Center uh, and what services they provide. Sure. So we have two locations. One is at the Children's Campus in Hiawatha along North Center Point Road. And we have a second location at Williams Parkway on the southwest side of Cedar Rapids. This enables us to serve a wide variety of uh, different people who live in different places. Multiple come from out of town, some are from within town. We provide uh, speech language therapy, occupational therapy, physical therapy, and we also have a dietitian. Now, it says children's. Yes. And I know we have adult rehabilitation here at the hospital. I've certainly visited that multiple times. I've visited the Hiawatha campus several times for various things, uh, but I've never been out to the Williams Parkway. Um, and when we say children, what are the ages here we're talking? Sure. So um, the various therapies see kids basically birth. Uh, typically, we can see them up to age 21, but we recently learned we can actually continue to see them past that age um, if they are attending regularly and continuing to make progress with us. Okay. And... You know, I'm really interested in speech pathology. Tell me about what, what do you do as a speech pathologist? I do a lot of different things. So sometimes I'll work with kids who stutter. Sometimes I'll work with kids who have difficulty pronouncing various speech sounds, who have low speech intelligibility. I work with them on improving that. Um, I work on uh, language understanding, receptive language, following directions, um, things like that, identifying vocabulary. I also work on expressive language. So that's just how people are using language to express themselves. That might be verbally or with um, augmentative and assistive communication, maybe a speech generating device, maybe something else. I work with kids on social pragmatic language skills, uh, social interaction. Um, I can work on executive functioning things like attention, problem solving, that type of thing. There's also um, I'm trying to think here. Oh, also uh, feeding and swallowing. I don't do much with that, but some other therapists, speech therapists in our clinic do. Yeah, we've had some exposure over in the neonatology unit to therapists that help along those lines. That's been my exposure to it. And, yeah. Uh, certainly very helpful. What What is the biggest challenge? I, I have so many questions. What is the biggest challenge to seeing a child that has a speech problem? You know, I'm getting older. Uh, I have to wear bifocals to read. I, I don't hear as well as I did before. And you really start to become isolated. I can imagine, you, you know, people that can't speak or can't hear well uh, really feel alone. 
Yeah, definitely. I see that and I see frustration in them sometimes. Absolutely. So that, yeah, that can be hard to see and it can be hard to work through. Behavioral problems are very common. Um, interaction problems are very common. Um, you know, it really depends upon the patient uh, what the most challenging thing is. Sometimes it's um, attendance, working with families to find optimal times for them to come in, uh, follow through with home programming. Sometimes the session itself, if you have someone with um, that can be tricky, who varies a lot from session to session or who um, is struggling to make progress for a variety of reasons. Um, sometimes behavior um, plays a role in that too. So it can be a lot of different things. And sometimes you get uh, various elements of all of that with an individual child and sometimes not. I know this is probably a tough question to answer, but we, yeah. I think we, general science principle would be that, or physiological principle that patients have formative years and then after a certain point, they've, their capacity for learning perhaps has been, is determined, you know, you get an old dog does have trouble learning, learning new tricks, speaking from experience. Um, you know, it's hard to learn stuff new. What, what age is like critical that like if a, if a child has a speech pattern that you say, we got, we have to see him by this age. What, what age is that? You know, that's, we definitely want to go for early intervention okay. if and when we can, and maybe start out really intensive, um, maybe under two, even, um, under two years of age, but, um, it's, not always that I'm seeing kids. Sometimes I'm meeting them when they're three and they have no words. Um, they can still absolutely learn and make progress. Um, and I've had, it depends so much on attendance, the child's um, a capacity to learn, their ability to engage. It depends on lots of things. So um, I work with many teens. Sometimes it's just on, um, they have a variety of issues. Sometimes it's a singular issue that we can target. Um, so it's not just at a certain age, it won't be effective, um, or we can't make skills. So, and so, even if it's, so, oh, so if, if, if I'm, a, well, I am a parent, but if I had a child that was concerned, the sooner the better. Yeah, absolutely. If you're concerned, yep. sooner the better. So an example of that would be, say I'm getting a kiddo who should have, you know, 10 to 50 words and I'm meeting them when they're two or something, um, it's much easier to play catch up for 10 to 50 words than if I meet them when they're three and they need a thousand and then they have none. So it's just, it's a, a smaller gap. So what, by what age should I, as a parent, should be worried that, okay, this, this speech is not progressing like it should? So sometimes it, it, I hear a variety of things. So sometimes it's that a kiddo was progressing and they stop. Sometimes they were progressing and they regress, and sometimes progress is just really slow. Yeah. And that can be because of a developmental delay. Sometimes there's another medical diagnosis, and there's a reason for that. Those kids are typically flagged earlier on by their right. pediatrician. And every referred. kid's different. Oh, I understand yeah. that. You oh, know, I, absolutely. I, I have two daughters, and one of them walked at about seven to eight months, uh, maybe nine at the latest, and the other one didn't walk until 15 months because everybody mm -hmm. was picking her up and carrying her. So and she's like, range. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. like, why should I walk when I can get carried everywhere, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, I, I hear that from friends and, and uh, not so much patients because I don't take care of children, but uh, just, you know, they're worried, you know, that so-and-so is not sitting upright, sure. so-and-so is not talking. And yeah. I think, I mean, I don't know what your experience has been, but autism is more forefront than it was probably 
25, 30 years ago. Oh, oh heavens, yes. There's you know, so much more awareness. It was, awareness. Just, the, it was yes. just the little odd kid in the neighborhood that, you know, didn't say a whole lot, but uh, uh, mm-hmm. seemed to march to his own drum. But you, nothing went beyond that. You know, nobody identified any pathology or tried to work with that person. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's phenomenal that you do that. How much, um, I have questions. So how much like autism do you see? Well, it is one of the more common diagnoses, yes, because um, typically associated with that, there is um, not always, there can be a language delay, uh, receptive, expressive uh, language impairment along with that. And sometimes it's just the, um, the hallmark of autism is a pragmatic or social language impairment. So having difficulty engaging in play, that's what it would look like. Um, you know, making eye contact, um, interacting with peers and adults, um, that might be what it looks like, um, as well. So, uh, it is a more common diagnosis and that's why I do see a lot of individuals who have a diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder because they'll have, um, at least that social language piece, but may have other things going on. They can stutter as well. They can have an articulation impairment as well. It, just, it, it really depends, but yeah, I mean, another, other common um, diagnoses uh, can be genetic things like Down syndrome. That's also common, but um, yes, I do see autism relatively frequently. And people that have hearing impairment, they have that, I think it's called deaf speak, maybe like, like how their, their voices doesn't have they, a normal. They're hearing like, impaired. Yes. Is, is that, is that why? I mean, so they, they can't, they can't hear their own voice and then that's why they, they're. Sure, or pers- others. So we can really only... Do you know what I'm talking about? You know how like that... that I can't describe it other than that I would hear it. Luckily, technology is really progressing. Um, We're able to identify those kiddos. They do newborn hearing screenings and they're, most of them are getting identified early unless they're having, you know, something wrong where the hearing deteriorates or they lose those abilities, which degenerative hearing loss. So that can happen as well, but they're typically identified younger. Um, and if they need, um, amplification, so hearing aids that's put on earlier. And then if they need a cochlear implant, we're able to get that if they're completely, completely deaf. Yeah, I can't. So. You know, be, uh, hearing impairment, that's like the one disability that people get mad at you for having. Mm. You know, they, you start, they start raising their voice. I mean, nobody... Sure, because they don't understand. Yes, they don't know. Absolutely. And I mean, it's invisible. It, I, it I deal with a lot of invisible you know, I mean, nobody walks up to the person that's in the wheelchair and yells at them to get out of the wheelchair, right? Yeah, because they can see the wheelchair. Exactly. Yes. So, like, you yeah. know, if you can't hear, they yell at you to... Sure. They think by yelling that it's going to overcome that. So, absolutely. anyway, that's my or, one of my pet peeves. Sure, that, if you're not... You know, a child isn't understanding. Some people right, think yeah. talking louder yes. will help. Well, it isn't a hearing issue. It's they're having uh, difficulty processing. Or, or, well, in, in the adult it. world, it's uh, you know we speak louder when someone has it's a foreign language like yeah like they're going to also understand English if I'm screaming it as yes or I, I slow it down although slowing it down can help that actually is one thing that can help um, but yes it, you always want to make sure you're keeping it at their developmental level and that you're being respectful of course yeah, yeah. fascinating next question yeah the COVID pandemic and shutdowns. Yes. Tell us about what you're seeing in your patient population with that. We hear about developmental delays and uh, education. And now, you know, we're getting to that. When we get to that five-year mark in medicine, five years is a lot of data. And then you can start to draw some some serious conclusions from that. Relatively early on. Yeah, we are, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't look good. So tell Mm -hmm. me what you're seeing. Well, um, I'm still seeing quite a few patients coming in. Um, one thing I am hearing about more when I have done evaluations is that 
the kiddo hasn't had a lot of opportunities to engage with other peers if they don't have, you know, other siblings or they're not able to be with friends or they're not able to attend daycare, stuff like that. So they're not getting um, that social interaction piece. And that can is absolutely critical. It's very important that the child's having that. So, um, however, some kids have had more time at home with their parents and they're able to do more home programming things. They're able to use more strategies within the home and we can improve it that way. So um, for some kids, it's been harder than for others. It kind of just depends what their needs are. Yeah. So there, there may be a little silver lining exposure, a little bit more to home and family. Well, I hate to say there's a silver lining to COVID, uh, but you know, um, I think there's some not bad things that may have come out of okay. it for some people. Well, that's so, good. Yeah. You know, that's keep us upbeat. Yeah, uh, and I try. Yeah. yeah, you know. Um, well, how does someone get referred to the Whitworth Center through their family practice doctor or pediatrician yes. in your case? Their okay. primary care physician. And then they'll make PCP, a referral yes. to, the, to the Whitworth Center along yep. those lines. And then um, our schedulers will book an evaluation typically. Um, those are several months out sometimes. Um, then they'll have their um, evaluation with a therapist. And then there's a report written. That report signed by doctor goes off to insurance. We get that information back and scheduling calls to set up appointments. Okay. It's kind of how that process works. It, it, what's it, it is so they contact their family doctor to get sure or or if you know at a well child check or something okay. the doctor's having concerns absolutely but typically parents um it, when parents have concerns that's a major red flag because parents are supposed to be the ones that, you know they're around their child the most and they're the expert right. on their child. And if they're having difficulty, they're typically the ones who would understand their child the best. So if they're having difficulty, that is a red flag in the speech language arena where we want to at least come in for evaluation to check it out. Wow. See, on my side, I get exposed, although it's very helpful, on the inpatient side of, you know, swallowing. That, yeah. I mean, that's speech pathologists most of the time swallowing, helping us with those. So sure, yeah. this is really interesting. The, the, uh, I just find speech pathology fascinating. It's a very Hearing and diverse speaking. Yeah, it field. is. It's, yes. just, it's just, I don't know, it's just fascinating. Well, thank you. Um, I think so too. <laughs> well, you've told me uh, what you do and how you do it, but I want to hear why. Why do you do it? Well, I love the human element of it. I love the helping element of it. So that's wonderful. I love the alliances I make. I love the bonds that I forge with the families, with the kids. It's common that I will see kids for years sometimes. And you can't help but just care very deeply about those patients. And it's wonderful to get to know them and to see them grow and get to know them as people. Sometimes it's very, you know, they're, they're challenged with communication and that is what connects us all. And so when there's a breakdown in that, it is isolating, but it's so cool to watch those barriers get broken down and to get to know new things about the child, you know, that you can help them communicate to other people too. Yeah, and they're certainly worth the effort. Children are precious. They are. They stole many, my heart. How many children? Do you have children? I don't know. You know? Not I yet, don't though. No. You'll be a good mom when you get the chance. I, I hope I get the that. opportunity. Well, Nicole, thanks for speaking uh, with me and joining me today and answering my kind of off the wall. Some of them are off the wall questions uh, and sharing with uh, listeners about Whitworth Children's Therapy. Once again, this is Nicole Halverson, a speech language pathologist with St. Luke's Whitworth Children's Therapy. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about services offered at Whitworth uh, Center, call 319-369-8407 uh, for the Southwest location and out in Hiawatha, which is my hometown, by the way, is 319-369-8001 for the Hiawatha location. Or you can always visit unitypoint.org. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. 
If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.